We are in Columbus, Ohio at the RTRX show on the eve of Pelotonia. Sit down with Joe Apgar, president of Pelotonia, and Siraj Hinduja, managing director of RTRX. Welcome, guys. Thanks for sitting with me. Thanks for having us. Of course. Thank you. So this is a big day. There's a lot of people here. There's a lot of people in Columbus right now. We're getting here for uh, fundraising and motivation. Yep. Personal improvement. Yep. This is very good. So thanks for sitting down. Of course. So Joe, I'm going to start with you. Joe Apgar, president of Pelotonia. Uh, what is Pelotonia? So Pelotonia is a 15-year-old organization at this point. Uh, started as a bike ride. And so the idea was, could you mobilize an entire community to raise money for the cancer center here in Columbus called the James? It's at Ohio State. So the James Cancer Hospital at Ohio State. It's the third largest cancer hospital in North America. Most people don't know that. It's got, you know, Columbus is fraught with Midwest humility. And we don't talk about ourselves enough. And it's one of the world's premier research institutions right here in Columbus. And, you know, fundraising and funding for cancer research sort of in the late 90s and early 2000s really started to decline. And the opportunity to fill that gap with community philanthropy really presented itself. And uh, leaders in town here decided and landed on starting a bike ride. Cycling was not a big thing in Columbus before then. And it was, I mean, it was a, it was, it was a risk, right. To, you know, try to throw together a big bike ride. And so we had this bike ride in 2009, 2,245 people showed up. They had no idea what they were getting into. They raised four and a half million dollars. And by all accounts, year one was a massive, massive success. And 15 years later, we're about to embark on our 15th ride uh, this weekend, August 4th, 5th, and 6th. We've raised $270 million as a community. 100% of that money has gone directly to cancer research because of the way our organization is organized. We have funding partners that support the operations of the organization. And I can tell you with certainty that there are people now living and thriving after a cancer diagnosis today that 10 or 15 years ago would have been asked to go home and put their affairs in order. And this weekend, they'll ride a bike. I mean, that's amazing. And I've talked to who's the head of the James Hospital. So Dr. Cohn that guy. Uh, is currently the CEO of the, the Cancer Hospital. And that guy's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. He, you can tell why he gets a lot of people motivated. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, that, you know, the whole place sort of top to bottom is full of inspiring people. And I think that I, I always think sort of the, a lot of the people that you don't always get to see are doing some of the most profound prolific work over there. And the money that Pelotonia has raised and, and, fund, and things that we've funded, we've really focused on funding sort of the high risk, high reward, the things that might not get traditional funding, but the things that might give people a chance to launch their careers. So here's how it was, how the good doctor explained cancer to me at one of these events said, uh, you uh, you look at how we cured, you know, HIV and AIDS and why can we cure that? And we're still working on cancer. We've been working for a long time. And the explanation was if we were all in a room, in a conference room, everyone in the room had HIV. We all have the same. So it's sort of one. Yep. And we can throw money at that and we can fix it. Yep. And we found a drug that we used from some alternative. 
use that figured out how to encapsulate the cells, the virus, and so it wouldn't grow and spread. With cancer, if we were all in a, in a conference room sitting at different tables, however many tables are in that conference room, all those different tables are a different type of cancer. Yeah. And each person sitting at that table has a different type of that type of cancer. Correct. Yeah. So it's an infinitely more complex yeah. problem. Yeah, that's that exactly close? right. And I think 20, 25 years ago, cancer was thought of as cancer is cancer, right? But there now we know there's hundreds of types of cancers. Cancer is so specific often to your DNA and your genome type and all of these things. And so where research has really launched forward is trying to how do you personalize medicine for you? right, for your exact type of cancer that might look different than the person sitting next to you and making a ton of progress on it. Um, and so it's a really fun thing to be a part of. So let's, I want to personalize this, right? My question is, how did you get involved? Yeah. But I, I know you, I know your story. Yeah. I know that you were, are a cancer survivor. Yeah. So this is, means more than just yeah. job. Yeah, yeah, this is super personal for me. So my, you know, my story even predates uh, my cancer Cancer story. My sister had cancer when she was five years old, actually. And one of my first sort of core memories, and, and we heard yesterday in some of the RTRX programming around sort of essential memories, essential songs, essential things in your life that you just remember in your life and never be the same without. One of my essential memories is sitting on my dad's lap when I was seven years old and him telling me that my five-year-old sister had been diagnosed with cancer. My very first and only question to him was, is my sister going to die? Because that's what you think when you're seven-year-old. Yes. Is my sister going to die? And he hesitated and had doubt in his voice. And he said, no. But now I'm a dad to a four-year-old, and kids see right through everything. Kids, kids know when you're lying, when you're not confident and all this stuff. And he wasn't sure. He had no idea. 30 years ago. And today she's a 35 year old nurse. Um, she's actually started a job at the James on Monday this week. And she's here because of research and research over the last 30 years and over the last 10 and 15 years, especially has taken words of doubt and feelings of hesitation out of those conversations and given families the confidence to say, no, I'm going to be okay. I can start making plans for the future. And things like that. And so 15 years ago when I was diagnosed, I was in a hospital room alone by myself. So you and your sister have cancer. Yeah. Both, yeah. both me and my sister. And she's my only sibling. So both my parents' kids have had cancer. And I had to call them on a Friday night alone in this room and tell and wake them up and tell them, hey, I've been in the hospital all day. I just learned that I'm going to have surgery tomorrow and I have cancer. But I know I'm going to be okay. I had testicular cancer. I never at the moment someone told me I had cancer thought I'm going to die. I knew I was going to be okay. But that was not the case 25 or 30 years ago. And that's what's changing, right? It's like the confidence for me to call my parents and say, mom, dad, I have cancer. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to get through it. And so like at the end of the day, that's the goal. It's like, how do you just give every person that it's told by a doctor you have cancer, the confidence to make plans for the future. What do you think that number is today? I mean, I'm assuming you got had confidence because your sister, you'd seen her mm -hmm. beat it, yeah. survive, and you're like, I'm gonna do the same, why wouldn't I? Yeah. Yeah, I think you know, a little bit of it was I was 21 years old. Yeah, uh, and you conquer know, the world. Yeah, exactly. Conquer the world attitude. But um, you know, just just the pace of research and medicine in our world and 
you know, we're really lucky to live in the United States where we live, where um, we've got access to great care and um, we have communities like Palatania and beyond that care about advancing medicine to people. And the James is not specific cancer. It's not breast cancer. It's not something. It's all cancer. Correct. The James treats all different types of cancer and Palatania funds all different types of cancer. And you mentioned this earlier, but I'm going to make you expand on it because I've heard stories myself of people who were diagnosed and called the James. My stories are called Jim Burkle, called someone they knew who immediately put them in touch with doctors or at James. And they did not have good diagnosis before. And he said, show up, come here. I'm, yeah. I'm going to take care of you. And to your point, it's years and years later and they're riding in the bike ride. Yeah. This yeah. weekend. It's uh, a friend of mine lives in Cincinnati. He was diagnosed with a, a sarcoma, which is a, a cancer of sort of tissue, so muscle tissue, um, you know, different things. He had sarcoma in his stomach. He was diagnosed in 2020. And in 2021, he rode 50 miles in Palatania. His doctor looked him in the face at his diagnosis and said, have you been diagnosed in 2016? We would have asked you to go home and put your will together. We did not know how to treat. and We didn't have a treatment for your cancer. And now we do. He's cancer free. He'll ride 50 miles this weekend with his wife. And it's, it's like that speed at which that is happening is snowballing right now. That's continuing. It's continuing and it's snowballing. It's in five or 10 years from now, we are going to talk about today. Like it's ancient history. Like I truly believe that, that quickly five or 10 years from now. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, that's impressive. How much is the James hospital, uh, a part of it and how many other hospitals are yeah. all doing the same thing. Yeah. I mean, you guys just, you just Pelotonia alone, you said earlier, has raised $270 million yeah. in 15 years. 15 years. That feels like a lot of money. Yeah. It but is a still lot of probably money. a drop in the bucket. It is a lot of money. It, you know, in, in certain contexts, it, it can feel like a drop in the bucket, but sort of when you are using that money in a really focused resource type of way, it's a lot of money and it does a lot of great things. But James is part of a system called the National Cancer Institute. Uh, so there's 71 NCI, National Cancer Institute, designated hospitals that all do research across the country. And so this is, you know, the places people have heard of, MD Anderson, Dana-Farber, yeah. Sloan Kettering. Uh, and the James is part of that. And so to be a part of that, you're collaborating across that entire network. So the James has active partnerships research papers, projects, clinical trials going on with all 70 other of those hospitals. And all of those other hospitals are doing the same across the network. Love it. James also has projects going on in 46 different countries around the world. Right? And so when you like just yeah. sort of step back and look at a map like that, it's easy to get lost in the, oh, this is a Columbus thing. This is an Ohio State thing. This is an Ohio thing. It's not. Like, that's just not how research works and, and moves. And so... Um, being connected to a hospital like the James, an NCI designated hospital that attracts the best talent in the world, that has really good funding, that has really great community partnerships. Those are all talent attractors. And, and in a lot of ways, the research game and enterprise is no different than any other business. You're trying to do things to differentiate yourself, to attract the best talent in the world. And one of the things that the James has done to differentiate itself is have an event like Pelotonia. Yeah. Who, remind me who started Pelotonia? So Pelotonia started by a handful of people. So at the time, 
the CEO of the Cancer Center, who was also the director, uh, the CEO of the James was also the director of the Cancer Center. He had a dual role. His name is Mike Calgiri. Um, he's now at City of Hope Hospital in California. He and a couple of community members, Cindy Hilsheimer and Dan Rosenthal, uh, got together and they were going to, they wanted to, Mike really wanted a bike ride to raise money for the cancer hospital. We modeled it after the Dana-Farber bike ride up in uh, near Boston called the Pan Mass Challenge. Very similarly organized, organized ride. And, uh, and so they put this business plan together and I've seen pieces of the business plan uh, over the years. And it was, it was called the Great Ohio Bike Challenge, uh, which is a less inspiring name than Pelotonia. Um, and the goal was that they wanted to raise $35 million. But if they could raise $35 million over the first seven to 10 years, it would be one of the most successful grassroots philanthropy sort of charities in the country. We raised $35 million in like four years. Yeah. Um, and it was 270 over 15. Yeah. So um, those three three people, Mike, Cindy, and Dan, were just so instrumental in, in launching it. And, and Dan and Cindy still sit on our board. Dr. Calagiri, who's, uh, I mentioned, is at the City of Hope uh, out in California, still comes in every year to ride. He raises money. I mean, it's it's an amazing story. Yeah, it life's about people, right? But yeah. to do anything, it takes people, a person, you know, a group of people to have passion and to commit their time and energy and dollars to yeah. making it happen. And cheers to those guys. Yeah, 100%. Um, so Siraj and Duja here, Managing Director, RTRX. So give me the background of you guys and how you guys got involved to really help grow Pelotonia. Well, part of the reason that we got started was because of Joe um, sitting here with us. So Joe um, won't shine the light on him, but I will shine the light on him. Joe used to work at Rockbridge and was working at Rockbridge when he was diagnosed with cancer. And year one, they started a, a Peloton, a team, and had some riders and got really inspired. And then I think as the story has been shared with me, and I've started, I've learned the business plan and the history back then. It was, let's do something bigger and different. And, you know, we all go to convenings, conferences, summits, insert, you know, noun, um, all over the country. And they're the same thing all the time. And the idea that the, the team at Rockbridge had was let's create something that will make individuals better, will make businesses better. And then let's take this social enterprise model and let's invest all of our profits from the conference into Pelotonia. And so um, one in two men, one in three women will get cancer. And the stories that Joe has shared about his sister and himself and every single one of us in the room have been um, affected by cancer. And so if we can really pursue two foundational truths, one, we think the world will be a better place if cancer is gone and we want to fund the people and, and partner with Pelotonia to fund those, those researchers. And two, we just think there's a better, more effective, uh, more human way for businesses and people to convene. And that's where RTRX has grown over the last 12 years um, to, to, to inspire people, to get people and leaders to think differently, get outside of their comfort zones, have some fun, do some business, and then also participate in Pelotonia. How much money is RTRX raised for Pelotonia? So we've, we've raised and invested more than $6 million. 
Um, and I mean, I think that we are, I think, and I know that we have barely scratched the surface. Um, and, and this year's been a big year for us in growth in so many ways, but we, you know, I think riders on a good year raise, call it 23, $25 million for Pelotonia. And we want to build our business plan to match that. And so imagine if you had riders raising 25 million and you had RTRX raising 25 million. And so the $50 million that we're investing every single year, then think about the research and lives saved and the time given to people. We can just, we can put that on a, uh, a J curve and we can just accelerate it as, as fast as, as possible. And it, and it feels like the money's going to the right place. I mean, they, they do t- great. They're like, there's real results. That's yeah. got to embolden both of you guys to be like, if we, I know it does me as a donor. Right. I'm like, we're not just throwing money away here. It's not going to a corporation. Yeah. It's not, it's going to actual research, an actual hospital that is getting results. And when you meet just one, and you can tell me dozens and not hundreds of people who have had a bad diagnosis mm-hmm. who are still writing today. Yeah. That gives you motivation. Yeah. No, I mean, seeing tangible results is, I think, I mean, that's the outcome you want, right? And so, you know, there's been drugs developed, FDA approved, that have been funded by Palatine and they're on the market today. So there's an example of a drug that um, was found to really put a a form of uh, leukemia in remission. Prior to that drug, the the previous drug on the market was at a 20 to 30% rate of remission. This drug has close to an 80 or 90% rate of remission. It's taken by 300,000 people around the world every single day in 110 different countries. This drug and this drug had was actually a failed diabetes drug that a cancer researcher at the James picked up off a shelf and said, I've got an idea for how this might work in cancer. Uh, fast forward a couple of years, FDA approved and now used all over the world. So there's things like that, really sort of big, broad scale. And then there's some really cool things happening. And the, some of the things I get really excited about, you think about data, how do you use population data, DNA data to, to look across sort of groups of people and try to understand where certain people might be more susceptible to cancer than others. And how do you get in front of a diagnosis like that? Or, um, you know, something I saw recently that's really cool is, you know, surgery is still a big component of, of a cancer diagnosis. And so there's a lot of different cancers, especially solid tumors where they cut the cancer out of, um, your body. And, they know what they're going to find. They've got a game plan. Your recovery time now might go from two months to two weeks. Like all these things that are impacting a person beyond the diagnosis, right? Like your quality of life, survivorship, your wellness, your fitness, all these things. Mental health is, I think, a big thing that you're going to see in the next five or 10 years in the world of cancer research, which is, you know, your cancer diagnosis is sort of starts from the day you're told you have cancer, but you're now living as a cancer survivor the rest of your life. And you carry you talk to anyone that's ever had cancer and ask them how they feel the day they take their annual scans and the seven days after they have to wait until they get the scans. Like they're a wreck, they're a mess, they're anxious, they're all these things and family planning, all this other stuff that goes into sort of the mental health of of cancer. And I think that's like a big part of the future of cancer too. I love it. These are great stories. Yeah. Tell me another one. We had a woman, <laughs> we had a woman once at RTRX who, um, the drug that Joe talked about, one of the doctors from the gym was presenting and she's on that drug. Yeah. And she had no idea 
how it was funded, that it was funded by Palatania dollars, that it was happening at the James, and that RTRX was a part of that. Yeah. And she was she connected all those dots in that room. Yeah. And so I can't even imagine what she'd be going through listening to that. And it's like, wait a minute, this story sounds really familiar. And that's the drug that she takes every day. Yeah. I remember that. She she was she was sitting in the audience. I, she came up to me right after and she said, I've I've been on this drug for a year. This drug saved my life and I had no idea the history of the drug. And I just sat in a room with the person who who did the research, the people that funded the research. How crazy is that? And that's where the the return on investment, right? Like Teague and and Hunter, like you guys come in and support RTRX and Pelotonia, but it's a point of like we want you to get more than what you give us, right? So you're getting it from a inspiration and a leadership development and your teams soaking up stuff, but you're also using it from a business standpoint for new and current business partners, but then you're also bending the arc for society because we're getting better and closer to finding a cure and funding a cure. And the and, and Joe always says it really well, it's like giving people more time in their life. And if you boil it down, it's, it's more time with their kids every morning, with their friends, with their kids every night, tucking them in. Like, and if we can just make if we can make our attendees and everyone think a little bit differently and be a little bit more compassionate and be a little bit more like open and curious about where the dollars are going, that's where it's easy to partner with Pelotonia. And there's a reason why RTRX rolls into Pelotonia's ride weekend because they deliver a first class experience and it's the active part. If you think about like mind, body, heart, and soul at RTRX, we try to take care of the the mind and the heart and soul. Pelotonia takes care of the heart and soul and body. And so you have this full-fledged, whole-person experience. But the fact of the matter is, is the dollars aren't going to an endowment. The dollars aren't going to build another building, right? They're going to the bright, innovative minds who are courageous and are like, this might work. And we want to back those people and, and be in their corner. I think it's important. In addition, there's a, you can just feel it. It's being around this. There's a, there's a yeah. sense of community, energy, healing, mind, body, spirit. I don't know what it is, but you can feel it. It's very tangible. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's Palatine week and, you know, you uh, yeah. see outside some of the buildings light up. They change their lights to be green, you know, on the top of the buildings. And it's, it, there's a feeling in Columbus that it's, it's an energy and it, you know, it used to start on Friday. Um, for ride weekend and go Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now it starts on Tuesday because RTRX has come in and created this amazing week of programming. Um, I would counter you. I think you you do take care of the body. I think you added yoga this year. We did add yoga. Program, uh, so only a handful of people. Teague, I think you're signed up for yoga tomorrow morning. Sure, can't wait. Yeah, seven <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sarah signed you up. Yeah, day five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You need a little yoga. Yeah, cleanse the body. Uh, Joe, I love the stories. Give me another. Give me another example of like that drug. Give me another example. Those are so powerful. Yeah, I think um, you know one of the things that's really exciting is you know sort of taking a step back and like big population science projects. And so, how do you you know uh, how do you stop someone from getting cancer in the first place? Right. So, can um, we? A couple of years ago, 
there was a breakthrough in sort of the genetic testing and sort of DNA sequencing. And they found that, you know, one of the causes of colon cancer, which is pretty prevalent and, you know, it's part of regular screening. I think at now age 45, you're supposed to get your colonoscopies every couple of years. And the interesting thing about colon cancer is it develops through these polyps in your colon. If you catch a polyp really early, you can basically guarantee that that never turns into cancer, which is why you get a colonoscopy. If you get your colonoscopies on a regular schedule and are getting checked out and sort of having clean scans, you can almost guarantee yourself to never have colon cancer unless you have something called Lynch syndrome, which is a GNA mutation, a DNA mutation that they have found causes colon cancer at sort of higher rates and, and Lynch syndrome is passed down through families. And so Pelotoni funded this project where people were coming in, they were getting diagnosed with colon cancer. They're doing sort of all the normal procedure stuff, but then they were saying, hey, look, let's build your family tree and test your entire family for Lynch syndrome. All ages, sort of down to sort of call it 18 years old. Anyone that has this DNA mutation is going to start regular colonoscopies earlier than 45, and they'll never get Lynch syndrome-driven colon cancer now. And so I mean, we have an example of a rider who you know worked at Huntington Bank, had colon cancer, tested, his whole family got uh, tested for Lynch syndrome. Turns out his daughter had it and she gets regular screenings now. And she would have basically been guaranteed to have colon cancer. And now she's not gonna get colon cancer because she's gonna get regular screenings. It's like, I think that's the other exciting part, which is, you know, there's the taking care of people, there's the treatment, there's the drugs, but how do you go one step forward? And, you know, and it's, it's where it's the hardest often, right? Is, is behavioral change in humans and you know smoking cessations the one that people always think of as you know tied to lung cancer and things but there's a lot of other environmental factors and all these things that we can do staying out of the sun you know eating certain diets wellness um that i think is part of playing the really long game on cancer and so we're, we're, we're playing some of the short game stuff because we want to you know fix some of these things now we're also playing the long game um which is really exciting. So, I mean, I could go on and on and on. So, I think today, uh, part of the programming, people hear about this amazing researcher um, who she came to Palatine she got a $50,000 fellowship, just like starting your career in a lab, working for someone like, you know, sometimes pretty unglamorous work. 10 years later, she now runs a lab. She, of I think 20 people, she has gotten millions and millions and millions of dollars of external funding. And she has dedicated her life to um, researching breast cancer, but not but a very specific sort of form of breast cancer that's considered the most dangerous. So she studies breast cancer that travels to the brain oh. and almost certainly kills everyone that it has. And like she is just one of these like amazing, bright young people who has this huge, big idea. And she, I mean, she woke up one day and was like, I wanna, I wanna help fix the hardest problem we have in breast cancer and like has dedicated her life to it. And there is hundreds of people doing that, that sort of type of bringing that sort of passion and attitude to, to the work. And those are the people we get to fund. Yeah. Back to, it takes a person. Yeah. So now it's raised money and handed to a person who's passionate. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned DNA has, I'm just thinking has mapping the human genome now, how much has that impacted cancer research? Tons. 
Tons. And we're yeah. using that. We're making lots of progress. Oh, yeah. Ever, so. I think across all disease types, yeah. um, you know, just being able to map DNA and sequence DNA. And um, I think what they're realizing with cancer and with, with other diseases is everything's so personal, right? It's, it's you know, people's immune systems respond differently to the, to the same thing. Why? And it all comes back to your DNA. And so a lot of cancer research occurs on a computer, which, you know, when people think of cancer research, it's beakers and test tubes and, right, it's like, you know, fizzy potions and stuff is like the glamorous look you have sort of in your head. But a lot of it is um, sort of really technical computer analysis. We're starting to see a lot of mathematics and computer science students come in to the world of cancer research. Because it's like, hey, look, you could go build that next cool social media app or you can use those exact same skills and come and work on this problem that everyone in the world is dealing with, which is cancer. And so we're seeing a ton of young talent come in, but that's where Palatine fits in because money and support and funding for young researchers is hard to come by. And so that's one of the reasons it's a focus for us. So we provide money for people to start their careers. We're now seeing people come from engineering, computer science, data, analytics, math, into cancer who never thought they could have had a career in cancer before because they thought they had to be a doctor. Yes, you don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to be a doctor. No, it's amazing. What's AI going to do? I think AI could do a lot of interesting things. Um, I think the thing you're hearing about right now is, is, and I think you'll start to see, is how can AI read images, right? So you're seeing it with x-rays, CAT scans, and it's not to replace, you know, the technologists and the radiologists that are doing this work. It's to help and enhance their roles. And so... You know, can you run all these images through AI and can it pick up things that maybe the human eye can't yet and help identify things earlier than the human eye can? And, and how can we, one, use that to, you know, get ahead of diagnoses, but how can we also use that to make the radiologist better? And so instead of you being a radiologist and having to look at 100 cases, maybe 90 of them are really straightforward. And you take that time to now work on the 10 and you're diving deeper and you're thinking more and you're you're really focusing in on those 10 really tough, difficult cases. Yeah. And and at the end of the day, that's what people want to work on anyway. They want to yeah. work on the hard stuff. Um, and so I think AI is going to be tremendous. And I, I'm not smart enough to think of all the different ways AI is going to impact it. But, um, you know, maybe some grant writing and, uh, you know, public speaking remarks, too, for some of the doctors AI yeah, can help with. They'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a, a radiologist friend who says that's exactly how they use it. Yeah. They still look at everything, but yep. it cuts it down, and then they spend the most time on the tent. Yeah, they need to look at. Yeah, and they're training the AI to get smarter, and smarter, yep. and smarter. It's amazing every day. So it's duplicate right now, but it's yeah. evolving. Yep. All right, I love it. Um, how far is everybody riding? How far are you riding, Siraj? Well, usually signed up for a hundred. My uh, training has been less than stellar. And, <laughs> It my, happens. And my bike got stolen off the back of my car on uh, Tuesday morning. So I'm not riding my bike. So I will either ride, I'll probably ride 50. 50? Um, yeah. I've said just real fast before you answer, Joe, because I'm confident of your answer. So I've done it, right? 25 is just is just not enough. You don't feel like you yeah. did anything. 100, it feels not worth it. <laughs> like 100 is too much. 50 is, anyone can do 50. You don't have to be in training. You don't, you can show up. You ride in a pack. It's a, like a Sunday stroll. Yeah. Uh, you stop every 10 miles, 15 miles or so, get a water, get a break. It's not, it's not hard. So my rule and is then the, 50 for people. Yes, yeah. agreed. And then the heroes, 
try and do 100. Well, I wouldn't call us heroes, but I always tell people 50. Like, if, if you're in good shape, even if you haven't done a lot of training, you can do 50. You might be a little sore, but 50's got a good finish line party. Correct. Most people do it. It's long enough that you feel accomplished, but not so long that you're on the couch for a week. I will be doing 184. <laughs> um, part of it is... Got new routes this to. year that I helped design, and I want to go out and, and, and ride all of them. The other part of it is um, there's a lot of people that will be out there riding two days that you would never mm-hmm. ever guess could do it. And you'll pass them, or they'll pass you. You'll see them at rest stops, and, and you'll go in your head and say, like, how amazing is it that that person is out here? They've trained all year. And you go talk to them. There's going to be a guy this year, uh, his name's Glenn, first-time rider. He's never ridden in Palatonia. His wife died of lung cancer in November. Signed up for 184. I can guarantee you that is going to be the hardest two days on a bike that guy has ever had. But he's going to finish in honor of his wife. I'm like, that's what it's all about. And so, you know, I am so less impressed by the people that finish fast and are the, you know, good riders and all that stuff. It's the people that, like, chose the struggle to do it. Because someone else struggled worse with cancer, and that's what they're out there honoring. Or you can see someone wearing a survivor jersey. Um, you know, I, I, I'm I'm pretty trained right now, so I feel pretty good about it. And I also I've got like a bat phone that I can call and get picked up if I really need it. So <laughs> I won't use that. And the reason, like, I, if I don't train and if I ride a hundred, my bat phone calls to Joe to then send someone to pick me up where it's not like a, a support vehicle where it gets like radioed over that we got to go pick them up. So yeah, that's my bike computer has a big dismiss button for phone calls though. So I can send yeah. some yeah. voicemail. Yeah. And tell me just to keep on pedaling. <laughs> Again, that's only for you overachievers in that hundred mile range. Yeah. Right. It's fine. It's 50, fine. there's stops everywhere. There's no need for, yeah. you can check yourself out at any moment. Yeah. That's right. You talk about the camaraderie. I mean, what my experience was there's, it, it is a, Peloton. Maybe there's a bunch of small Pelotons. Yeah. There's a Rockbridge RTRX Peloton. I'm making it up. The Home Depot puts a team together and Coke puts a team together and everybody, there's all yeah. these local uh, Dr. So-and-so who's got a team. There's yeah. all these local teams and they're all wearing the same jerseys and you see the jerseys as you're pedaling through the six to 8,000 riders yeah. every year and it's pretty cool. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. It's, I mean, we, I think we have 350 different teams this year. So corporate teams, community teams, What's, what's the most fun about the team thing, and especially on the corporate side, you know, these small companies, big companies, whatever it might be, is, you know, a pair of spandex shorts and, and jersey is like the great equalizer in corporate America, right? Because the CEO is it's not a great the same spandex as, as the analyst. And <laughs> when you think about people that are younger in their careers, getting to ride alongside their boss or their boss's boss or yes. the CEO of their company who, you know, maybe this happens a lot with, with people that have remote sites, they fly in and, and you know, maybe the company's headquartered here, but they work in Minnesota and they, you know, get to show up at the start line and all of a sudden they're wearing a Huntington Jersey and, and Steve Steinauer, the CEO of the bank, thanks them for riding and they get to talk for a little bit. And I think that's a really fun component that, you know, I get to see in, in sort of uh, all sports here and there, but um, yeah, I, I've always said spandex is a great equalizer for people. So 
I uh, can't wait to see both in experiments. <laughs> it's going to be great. Uh, Jill's Raj, thank you guys. Ron, thank you for everything you're doing for cancer research. Thank you for doing everything for the fundraising. So, Raj, you put a bunch of time and energy into the four days of this RTRX. Uh, are you pleased? Very much so. Yeah. Excited. Great turnout. Great, great turnout. Lots of growth. Lots of fun things that we tested and two different locations, two days of programming, breakout sessions, and it's knock on wood. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's going well. It's going as we planned. So chill, Eve of the ride. You ready for tomorrow? We're ready. We're ready. We've got, next, uh, next, we've next got a fun day planned. Two or three days, maybe. It's, uh, no, it's tomorrow's opening ceremony. Yeah, yeah. So you've got a big act. We've got a big act. Andy, Andy Grammer. Uh, is coming into play, so great. A ton of sort of top hits, and he's got a really personal connection to our cause. He lost his mother to breast cancer about ten years ago, and um, he's flying in actually Friday morning for the show all the way from the West Coast, and then going right back to the West Coast. But he he wanted to come in for this event to see our community, and so I bet you get that a lot. Um, yeah, we do more than you think. Yeah. I think people are are in awe of what's what's happened here, and uh, we take a lot of pride in that. Great. Uh, enjoy the celebration. Thank you. Enjoy the ride. Hope you make it 184. I will. I will not be anywhere near you. <laughs> uh, and keep up the good work. Thank you. I can't wait to do it. See what uh, year 16. Congratulations on 15. Year 15. Yeah. And uh, you promised in 10 years this wouldn't be a thing anymore, right? Cancer wouldn't be a thing. We'll be Did I hear that? I heard that, Saraj. Did you hear that? We'll yeah. Be working on different stuff. Let's work sure. yourself out of a job. That is what he sure. said. I love it. Cheers to you and the James Hospital. Everybody. Thank you. Thanks, man.